Welcome to the Teacher Interview Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Creasel. I work as Director of Innovation and Instructional Support in Fullerton School District, and every week we sit down and get to know a teacher better. My goal is to learn what drives and guides teachers, especially when venturing into that risky territory of trying something new. Join me. Today we spend time with Sandra Farias. She teaches in the Dual Language Academy program at Pacific Drive Elementary. All right. Well, Sandra, thank you for joining us. Yeah, happy to be here. Good, good, good. All right. So um, you're the Dual Language Academy. Is that the word they use? Uh, yes. Uh, teacher at Pacific Drive. Correct. What grade level? Kindergarten. Kindergarten. Um, and so we're going to start by asking you a little bit about how you got into teaching. And then we have some quotes from some people um, that you, you gave us their name and we asked them a few questions about you. So we're just hoping to learn more about you as a teacher. And then some of the themes we talk about are risk-taking, trying things new, innovation. And so it's my job to try to draw out those themes if they're there. Um, Usually in most conversations we've had, like people talk about trying things new at some point. Um, So let's start with um, how did you get into teaching? Like what was that journey like for you? Well, it was a long journey. It didn't start off right after high school and education. Okay. Uh, wise, um, I kind of went out into the real world, did a bunch of odd jobs. I did everything under the sun. Okay. Give, me, give me a couple examples. Hospitality was my number one. Uh, okay. Bartend, server. Great. Serving. You have skills. <laughs> uh, I was an office manager at one point. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've pretty much done it all. So, um what drove me to um, teaching was I was kind of at a crossroads in my life where, yeah. you know, it was it was about in my mid-20s. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I was thinking of, like, what, what am I going to do? You know, jobs weren't coming up as I wanted in mm-hmm. like, the real world. And I wanted a change. And I mm-hmm. happened to be um, helping out a friend at the time that his daughter was playing softball. Okay. Fast pitch softball. And he, I was male, and needed a female to represent the team because it's a girl softball team oh. and eight and under team. So yeah, I was um, not working a lot at the time, okay. and he asked me, "Hey, can you just come by and represent and help out the girls? If they need to go restroom. Oh, oh yeah, just yeah, kind of yeah. represent." And he did the coaching, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it kind of all started from there, engaging with the girls, yeah. learning the game myself. I mean, yeah. I love baseball in general. I'm a big baseball fan. That actually came up in one of your uh, <laughs> interview quotes. Yes. Somebody said you have a specific team. I do. I'm a New York Yankees fan. Okay, so all right. Yes, I know. I got to love it. It's okay. I hear it all the time. <laughs> um, but that kind of drove me to really enjoy what I was doing and then engaging with the kids mm. and as I was being a learner and then teaching them. That really kind of was the springboard for oh, me. That's and my friend at the time, he, um, my friend till now, he was becoming a teacher and he went to Chapman oh, and okay. I was seeing him go to school and observing his actions yeah. and the steps he was taking to be a teacher. And he kind of, at the end of the season, you know, we went like two seasons, all stars and champion, things like oh, that. Wow. And so he goes, you know, you, what are you doing? You know? And I said, I said, oh, I don't know. You know, and he goes, you should really look into teaching, you know, go back to school. And, wow. you know, That's and cool. so it kind of started from there so I went back slowly Santa Ana College 
college yeah. um, then I transferred to Cal State Fullerton okay. and then went to grad school at Chapman University that's cool yeah. How, what age were the, the songs? eight years old oh my gosh eight years old oh mm-hmm. my gosh so it was really fun just to engage oh with the gosh. girls and you know be a learner alongside yeah. them and you know I love the game and I watch it all the time and yeah. so you know when we're out on the playground and I see girls yeah I try to teach them like throw like this you know and just the basic <laughs> mechanics of throwing a ball yeah. is super important for this stage at That's kindergarten cool. yeah kindergarten wow so, so eight Eight years old? Is that third grade? Is that about yes, where they were? Uh-huh. I can imagine. I mean, I reflecting back, I think I played one year of soccer, and it was it was like there's some students who are really competitive. I myself was not so competitive, mm-hmm. but just the emotions of yes. being like in a competitive thing. Did you find? that the kids were really kind of like heartbroken if things didn't go well? Were so, they? You got a little bit of everything. Some okay. of them were there just for the snacks and <laughs> hanging out with friends yes. as kids are. Yeah. And some girls me. were really, de- you know, were driven and really were, you know, we had an awesome picture and mm. she was always working on her mechanics and her techniques. Yeah. And, you know, there was girls, the group of girls that were just like, oh, great, I hit the ball. You know, I yeah. went around the bases. Great. Oh, okay, I'm out. This time. So it was just a little bit of everything. So yeah. I, it was really interesting to see that at that mm-hmm. level and so close and engage with them on that. And yeah. so it was really exciting and fun overall. We might tie that back into teaching in a little bit. But mm-hmm. when you were coaching, did you have something you used as a strategy of if students like you saw they could try harder mm-hmm. like that's something we talk mm-hmm. about in the classroom like right. oh, I, it, it seems like they have the talent they have the potential mm-hmm. um, as a coach not in the classroom how would you go about trying to get students to improve where they mm-hmm. maybe maybe it was motivation or some like uh, awareness uh, a lot of the motivation that we used and the coach used and we used together was just getting excited and having fun just mm. being outside and enjoying the game and you know yes you're teaching fundamentals but also being silly at the time when mm. you see adults being silly and then they get into it and you know we run around with them and just really engage uh, it's not yeah. so much just directing it but yeah. also you know being a part of it and that yeah. was a lot of fun because oh, we would cool. cheer them on and cheer them on and sing chants and you know do all that good stuff mm-hmm. but just being a part of it and doing it with them i think they found that really amusing like oh you know they're they're hanging out with us they're doing like us so they found that really engaging yeah so i felt that that was a good motivator for them like i would run and we play races and make it competitive but yet fun yeah Mm -hmm. so playing with them is is part of that mm -hmm. um that's cool so you said you went to cal state fullerton Mm -hmm. and then your first teaching job describe that um so my first teaching was subbing so okay. i oh. substitute for i made sure i did that for like two years okay. in between transitions so i would substitute during the day and then i'd work at night at the mm-hmm. at the hyatt hotel mm-hmm. um and so that was a big transition for me and it was fun because i was still able to provide my income and you know have a life after but subbing was really interesting because I got to go into all kinds of scenarios. And I think subbing should be a requirement in the credential <laughs> program because it just teaches you these skills that you yeah. won't find in the credential program. You know, like think on your feet, classroom management, engaging with all kinds of different students yeah. at all different grade levels. And that's where I discovered that I'm an elementary teacher, really? not a high school teacher or a middle school teacher. But Say that, a little that, bit more about that because I think that's, uh-huh. that's some time 
sometimes people it's, jump into a certain level and yes, they think they know exactly but maybe they don't so what right. what did you see and in high school, it was they were definitely taller than I was. Number one, not that far, that, not that hard to be. Yeah. But it wasn't. Um, I didn't get the engagement piece as mm. that I was used to. Mm-hmm. Going back right. to my softball experience yeah. with the girls, is that we were just very at a different opposite ends yeah. of what my expectation was of wanting to be a teacher. Yeah. They were pretty much on their independent already yeah, yeah. at that point. In middle school, when I subbed, I did a long term sub in sixth grade in a self-contained classroom Mm -hmm. and that was an amazing experience but very Mm eye-opening you know (laughs) and so i was a social studies language arts teacher and um another teacher did the math and the science piece for then it was kind of like a piloted program at Mm -hmm. the time and that it was really good because i got to connect with the kids Mm -hmm. because it was self-contained they didn't go each period to period so i liked that but it still wasn't still wasn't what I was really wanting. So when I did more of the elementary school, even at different grades, I I found what I liked. And originally I thought I wanted to be a third grade teacher, but I found the love in kinder. Wow. (laughs) And so I worked my way down and that to the very, very beginning. And you got to love it. You got to love it. How did you, what was it that when you did kinder, you're like, this is right for me. Because kinder is like its whole other, it's almost like a whole other profession. It is, it is. And I found it because I'm an artist and a crafter myself. So I found that those things that I did at home just for pleasure and as a hobby, I Mm. could take it into my classroom. And I love to paint, I love to draw, I love to do all kinds of mediums. And I love the arts. And that's where I was able to integrate it. So if you go to my classroom, all my charts and all my anchor charts and all the visuals that I have are all drawn. They're all oh, one wow. new pieces every time. It's yeah. not something that's laminated and put away and you take out. No, it's like comes oh, to life with the students. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And that's and so that's, that's where I really found the connection. Like, yeah. oh, I love to do these things and yeah. I love to draw and paint and I love to create. I'm very hands on and visual. Yeah. And so that's where I found the grade level that it allowed me to bring that side of my personal side into the classroom. Yeah. I imagine you prepping those things at home. So I wonder, do your, does your students see that side of you drawing and yes, creating? Absolutely. Talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. Because, um, we start from day one, you know, how to hold a pencil and how mm. to draw. And we I take it step by step to where I mimic, like, oh, I don't know how to draw. You know, what what does a person look like? Oh, well, let me just start with the circle. And I mimic that. Yeah. And I and they see me and I draw and we direct draw sometimes. Yeah. And what do people have? You know, just drawing the simple human body. I forgot it's kinder, so I was like, yes, they draws, don't maybe know anything. No, you know, we <laughs> have, you know, some, they just draw lines and curves yeah. and others draw circles with yeah. limbs coming out yeah. of their head yeah. and, you know those kinds of drawings you get everything and it's yeah. very important to teach them that you know there's a specific way to draw mm. and it's realistic and you know sometimes it's creative so knowing when to know how to draw mm. is very important and can important. Yeah. Yeah, and, so, and then that's also part of assessing whether there's like are the are there perceptive abilities and yeah. their spatial abilities mm-hmm. developing, right? Because right. uh-huh. things are supposed to be happening developmentally. Yes, exactly. And so uh-huh. if they're not drawing things accurately, then mm-hmm. you wonder are there other processing yes, issues? Yes, exactly. So a picture wow. tells a lot. Wow. Yeah. It tells a lot. Wow. 
That's cool. Okay, so you your first teaching job was was it in Fullerton? You subbed, no. but then your first full time job. My was, first what was full time like? was is was in Santa Ana Unified. Okay, um, I worked there as a I was a teacher for a one two combo class. Okay, and that was very interesting. Okay, because <laughs> uh, it was like my first year teaching. I had a combo class. Jeez, oh, and yeah, but it was the best thing too that happened to me because again, you're putting like subbing, you're putting to those experiences yeah. from the get go, and you just master it, mm. and everything else after that. It was, so, <laughs> it was easy. It doesn't come close to what the first one was. And yeah. So that was a lot of fun. I had a lot of uh, I had a lot of independent time to work on my own because I was just the extra class they kind of put mm, together. Mm-hmm. And so eventually, uh, mid year, my classroom became a whole second grade classroom. So mm, it started off oh. because of enrollment and yeah, it changed. Yeah. So I had to learn to adapt to that change as well. So I my students, my first graders went to a, a full first grade class and then to mm eliminate the combo class yeah. with enrollment and then I became a full-time second grade teacher oh, so yeah. that was real fun yeah um, that's great and then you've taught in other districts before Fullerton yes, okay uh-huh. tell me a little bit about your journey so my journey began in Santa Ana Unified okay. and it was right at the beginning of the recession yeah, so um yeah. and my next option was a job, no job. And yeah, so yeah. Capistrano Unified was hiring for a dual language teacher yeah. at a school in San Clemente. And that's where I went. And okay. So, so this, is this the, in Santa Ana, it wasn't dual emergency. No, it was not. Okay. Was, was just, that on your radar or when the San, uh, the dual language? Yeah. Yes, it was always. Oh, okay. It was always. But Why is that? Where did you first get that? idea um, in the during my credential program time okay. and then at the same time my nephew was also just starting school okay and he's my godson okay and so we were looking into schools to send where to send him okay and um when i was doing the credential program i said oh told my sister i say have you heard of this this is like a a thing and, yeah. and it's amazing and i'm studying it, and this is yeah. what i want to do because originally i did go into teaching as i want to be just a mainstream teacher yeah. but i want to i'm bilingual and yeah. i could be able to communicate with yeah. the community no yeah. problem but once i saw the program and how i could teach my native language yeah um you know in uh, certain models of the program i was like this is amazing yeah growing up i was you know, I grew up in the 80s and the early 70s. And so mm-hmm. I was told, don't speak Spanish. Right. I was told, you can't speak that in the workplace. I was told that right. several times. So yeah. um, coming from that yeah. during school and workplaces sometimes, um, I remember that. And that kind of triggered it mm. when I was in school. I'm like, here's my opportunity to change that. Yeah. And this is where my journey begins. Yeah. And so when I heard about the dual program and how it had existed for years, and there's different programs. There's a bilingual program. There's a dual program. Yeah. There's all kinds of different programs. And I said, no, this is going to be the journey I take in order to keep my language alive. Mm. Because I don't ever want to hear anyone say, you can't speak the language or my language is dying out yeah. or fading out yeah. or not being spoken by generations after generations as we see that happening sometimes. And so I felt a passion for my language and I said, this is the way I'm going to contribute to keeping it alive. I don't care who speaks it. I don't care how, you know, whomever, male, female, all genders, uh, you know, know, all cultures, all races. And as long as they're speaking it and they want to learn it, and that's how we're going to keep it alive. Yeah. 
That's a really beautiful sentiment. And I can imagine on the other side, going through growing up and hearing certain negative things said about your, your native language, mm-hmm. like that's painful. Absolutely. That's uh-huh. really painful. And I, and I struggle with that, with my identity and, mm-hmm. you know, what, where I would question things. And I said, no. And so there was times in my early young adult years mm-hmm. during in jobs and I would be a little bit rebellious because I knew that <laughs> that was not that wasn't right. Yeah. It wasn't right what they were telling me. And yeah. so it wasn't until I started my educational journey that I really confirmed that, that that was absolutely wrong, that what was done to me. And so I said, okay, these are the steps that I'm going to take in order yeah. to correct that. And yeah. that's why, that's where it all began. That's great. That's really great. Looking back, was there somebody you looked up to as a role model because you heard them say the opposite, like more encouraging things about your native language? Um, was there somebody or was it completely like you weren't hearing any positive messages and you just sort of clung to it out of your own no. um, I would say intuition. it's my mother and okay. my parents and yeah. the way they raised us. Um, we were always taught that, you know, you could learn any language you wanted outside of the home. Mm-hmm. But when you're in the home, you're going to honor the family mm. language and you're going to always speak it and you direct yourself to me you're going to speak that language and that's how we maintained it yeah and that's how we continuously learned it and expanded it from there and so i i tested to my mother and my parents my dad um that they kept reminding us of that and to be proud of it and always use it and that it's going to be a benefit for you when you grow up and you know we're first generation immigrants from mexico and Mm so they always used their language i mean and my dad was um he had his own business he was a gardener and a landscaper Mm -hmm. and he um had broken spanish and i mean broken english Mm -hmm. excuse me and he would do business right. with people that only spoke English. Right. And I think back to this, I was like, wow, my father was, you know, yeah. was not even able to write a check sometimes. And yeah. he confided in people to write it at, at Home Depot because that's yeah. where he would go buy supplies. And I was there and I was small and I yeah. remember that. And I'm like, wow, he ran a business and he only had a third grade education. Yeah. And and the word that comes to mind uh, is that it takes a lot of bravery because there's Mm -hmm. fear, Mm -hmm. but you're still acting in spite of that's Uh one of the definitions I've heard of bravery is Mm -hmm. it's not that you don't have fear. It's that you act in spite of. Yes. And he would speak broken English all the time and he didn't care. And he was just conveying as much as, yes, I could do this job. This is what it's going to be. And then he would turn around and speak in Spanish to his workers and, you know, and just, you know, organize things and move forward. And so. I attest the passion for language to my family. Yeah. So how how does that relate to being a dual language immersion teacher now and then talking to families? Let's say like outside the classroom, mm-hmm. just about the benefits of the program or questions they have. Well, what I tell parents, and I say this all the time, is we have to talk to the children and teach them about a dual, what a dual program mm. is. And for them, the as we talk as adults, what the benefits are, what mm-hmm. the long term is going to do, for, be the outcome. They can't see that; it's so abstract. Right, they it's right. they need something concrete right now. Yeah. So what I tell parents is, you have to you have to help them with the buy in. They have to be convinced <laughs> that this is something that they are going to love. And we're talking about be, kindergartners, exactly. That they're going. <laughs> I love to, that you got to help them with the buy in. <laughs> you do, and you, they yeah. got you got to be their cheerleader. You got to oh, be their cheerleader, so and you have have to convince them that yes this is going to be a part of you we want this for you and you know there's 
you know, fourth and fifth generation families that although they speak Spanish, their child doesn't mm. speak Spanish. And then you have our English only families that they have no Spanish in their family, yeah. but they do see no the benefits. No, I'm sorry. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, and that they want them to yeah. speak Spanish because yeah. they see the benefit of the long term. And yeah. so um, you have that, you know, you, they're native speakers in the Spanish. And, but both of them, they both need the buy in. You have yeah. to help your child learn to say, I want to learn Spanish. I love it. It's going to be part of my identity. Mm-hmm. It's going to be second nature to me. This is what I'm going to identify with as being a dual language learner. Yeah. And so because I say, you know, I could do my song and dance and all, you know, <laughs> ring the bells and everything. But if they don't have the buy in, if they don't allow me in, yeah. there's no learning happening. Yeah. That's so, so, so fascinating. Say, you know, especially at this time, because yeah. it's maybe, you know, it's a little over the mid year. It's like we're in our last home stretch. <laughs> and it's at the beginning, we're all, yay, yay, we're starting the dual party. It's so exciting. You're so special. But then, you know, you go to the mid, you go to seven and eight, yeah. you know, slump. It's yeah. like, come on, guys, <laughs> let's get it. Let's get it hyped up. Parents, come on. I'm, you know, messaging. Let's get the motivation yeah. going at conference. Like, again, keeping yeah. that motivation up because it does take work. You have yeah. to keep them motivated yeah absolutely that's that's great and it's interesting we don't always think about selling that to parents in the regular classroom we're just Uh like you're supposed to go to school and you're supposed to Uh learn and you're supposed Uh to like it (laughs) so it's really uh, a great thought to plant just for other educators listening to this is is how how do we message the value of what we do to parents so that that gives them tools mm-hmm. to work with their own children. So I, I love I love that thought. Um, we're going to dip into some of our interviews mm-hmm. if it, if it's okay. Sure. And one of the words I wanted to um, to share first, and this is from we asked for a teacher, a colleague, a family member, mm-hmm. an administrator, mm-hmm. and um, so this is from um, your principal Kelly Castillo, and it was one word that um, would stand in for for you, and she said that word is brave. So do you do you have a, a thought of why she says that or what's your guess? I think because I've through my experiences um, in building people, building relationships with colleagues, I've uh, I've taken risk and I've made my presence and I'm not afraid to reach out. I'm not afraid to put myself out there mm-hmm. and take on what's to come mm-hmm. and be present. Mm-hmm. But tell me what that looks like. Cause that did come up a little bit mm-hmm. about interfacing with colleagues and, mm-hmm. and being available and helping people. Right. Um, so what does that mean? Like, so, so this our, is your first year at Pack Drive, right? At Pack Drive, but it's the second pro- dual program that I start. So, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So, so in Capistrano Unified, when I went, when I started off my career as a dual teacher, uh, I taught two years at an established program that had been there for over 20 yeah. years. And then they opened a program oh. in Mission Viejo. So I was hired. I moved, I transferred, and I started that program wow. at Viejo. So that's kind of my baby, yeah, my yeah. first baby, yeah. right, that I call it. And so I started it from the ground up, again, um, with an awesome principal, just as Callie, yeah. and just collaborated together to build a foundation for the program. The program's been out now for, a, it's going on its seventh, eighth wow. year. Wow. Yeah. That's and awesome. so, uh, you know, yeah. um, 
I live in Santa. I'm born and raised in Santa Ana. I went yeah. to Santa Ana Unified School District System. Um, so I live in Santa Ana. That's where my family resides. Mm-hmm. At the time when I started my career, it was a recession. There was no jobs in teaching. Nobody was hiring. Yeah. And at most, there was... There's no dual programs in North County. Mm. And so as the year, so I stayed in Mission Viejo for, uh, in Capo for uh, 10 10 years. Now that I've seen the dual programs are growing more and more closer to home, I reflected and I said, it's time. It's time to go closer to home. So I was elated when I seen all these openings up in, you know, North Orange County area from where I'm from. Yeah. And it came about Pacific Drive in Fullerton and they were opening a program. And And you've done that before. And And so I can imagine in, mm -hmm. in the interview, that's. That's a special experience. Yeah. So, and I thrive on that. And I've learned that I do because being part of those first years, mm. I call it, it's growing pains. Yeah. You know, we're going to go through and, the bumps. Uh, you're and smiling those. while you say yeah. that. Not it, everybody would. Right. And <laughs> it it's so great to see the change and how just... The change happens and the culture of the community changes, the culture of the school changes, all positive. And of yeah. course, it doesn't go without saying that there there's bumps in the road, but we take them head on and move on. Yeah. And I'm good with that. Yeah, obviously, because you're smiling when you're saying growing pains. It's growing pains. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one other thing um, Kelly said is uh, the question was bonus feedback. And she said, um that you present at Kabe and uh, it was about integrating the school-wide computer science pathway into the DLA class. Yeah. So that's, so kinder dual language. And then you went to a conference and talked about how you integrate computer science. Yes. What was that experience like? Well, presenting on that level, I've never done that before. I presented in front of parents, the community, yeah. you know, district wide. But Gabe Conference is a huge for a dual language teacher. Yeah. So it was great to present. Mm-hmm. Um, I presented on uh, digital homework, okay. very creative, and wow. for our classroom. So we went paperless. Yeah. Oh so for gosh, one time awesome. a month. And it's been great. We've wow. used the. Um, the avenue, the outlet of Seesaw yeah. to do digital homework yeah. and just explaining how the pro- how that process went and being able to communicate out to other parents is this is how we're or other school districts as well. This is how we're doing it. And parents are really buying into it. It's a new it's something new to try, yeah. you know, with your school or students, but it's a great way of communication as well, because I get that I'm able to give that instant feedback to parents with the digital homework and parents love it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, There's uh, another person we interviewed. um, So we got feedback from your sister. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she actually was the one who said that you take the time to help, um, co-workers and you share what you learn at workshops um, and you teach parents also how to mm-hmm. um, practice the Spanish language with their child or how to read them um, and you give them tools to make them successful. Um, so this sentence comment on this, she says, that is when I realized that you're not only a kindergarten teacher, but you're an educator in all aspects. So you're educating the community, you're educating mm-hmm. colleagues as well as your students. So what is Talk about that concept. Does that do you agree with that? Do you not agree with that? Are you comfortable with that? I, I am comfortable with that because I feel that I'm always I always said when I got into teaching and I became a more experienced teacher that 
I would pay it forward as it was paid mm. it forward to me. Mm. And so any opportunity that I have that either somebody wants to come into my classroom and observe or needs help or some idea, I'm always there. Mm. I always make sure to make the time and, you know, give my feedback or input or ideas because it takes a village. Uh, our educational system needs a village to push our kids to their highest potential of success. Yeah. And so me helping, whether it's a current colleague, former colleague, friend, parent, if it's just a couple minutes a day, I know those minutes are going to be so valuable that it's mm. going to last forever, hopefully. Yeah. And so yeah. I always make sure I pay it forward that way because I was blessed to be able to be mentored and guided by some amazing teachers. And I said, when I become get to that level, I want to be able to do the same. Yeah. And that's a great attitude to say it's, it's about not just this moment, but this moment is going to contribute something that lasts and goes, and oftentimes we're busy and Mm -hmm. it's, that's a good reminder that the moments we have with our colleagues and parents Mm -hmm. are not just that moment. Right. And it's not like this is keeping me from getting home or something. It's, this is an investment that's going to grow. Because I think investing in relationships and mm. building those relationships, that's where it starts mm. is when somebody reaches out to you and say, hey, what do you think about this? Or what's your idea? Or what did you do? Or how did you do that? Yeah. And it only takes a couple couple minutes. But like you said, it's an investment for the long term. And yeah. that's that's what I'm here for for the long term. That's great. That's great. So we also had some feedback from um, Melody. Mm-hmm. Okay. So former colleague. And so she, she told a story or a little anecdote about creating materials and she said um, like little books and games that weren't available in Spanish Mm -hmm. that you created to help enrich uh, her her teaching. So is that something you remember doing? Yes. Uh So talk about that a little bit. So our curriculum was limited as a dual language teacher where we have to create lots of things, Mm. additional things that sometimes some of the main curriculum that is purchased doesn't have those extra supplements. Um, At that time, we didn't have um, a program, a set program or support material to go for the students. I mean, we had it for the class, but we needed the take home practice and the take home mm. books. And so I, 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 we bounced off ideas and then I went home and, you know, worked the magic <laughs> in my sleep. And I woke up and, you know, yeah. I hashed it out and we created these materials to better our program for students to go home and practice and have the resources at home to practice their language skills. Yeah. I, the word games is interesting yes, to me. Do you uh, remember an example of that? Or gosh, there's, that... Uh, there's a few. <laughs> oh gosh, there was a few. Because I can imagine uh, worksheets, like that's yes, an easy thing. Uh, Here's an example. Now do this mm-hmm. for repetition. But it's just interesting she brought up games because that introduces like a different mode or mm-hmm. it's almost like um, you said in the beginning talking about the softball players, you would mm-hmm. play with them. Right, right. Um, uh-huh. Well, what I... What some of the games that we had created were interactive with like the families. Oh, okay. And so yeah, like we sent home that. resources with like the flashcards with the oh, syllables and the nice. letters and the sounds. Yeah. And we, I suggest like, you know, put, put musical chairs. And then when you get to the chair, flip the flashcard over and the family has to read that syllable or that letter sound oh, that's times so that they, fun. to create it interactive with them. And yeah. the same thing with the numbers is county collection and, they would set up the collection and 
the students and the family had to count it together in a song and earn funky voices and <laughs> just to make it interactive. So it was those types of engaging yeah. fun activities that were with, I think she was referencing to. Yeah. And I can imagine that's almost that gives students a way to encourage their parents to, to participate because it's mm-hmm. not like, help me do my worksheet. But also the students excited about it. And then that gets the parents excited about it. Like it's a game. Uh Okay, what do we have to do? Right. Versus a worksheet. Most parents would be like, yay, let's sit sit down. (laughs) Exactly. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. Uh, Well, we're we're really close to our time. Um, I mean, again, um, Melody also commented bonus feedback. She talked about you mentoring her Mm -hmm. and that you also valued her experience. Um, but you also taught her the essentials. And so this kind of respect Absolutely. for what she brings to the program. Um, what What's on that kind of note, if somebody was starting the kind of journey, especially dual language into teaching, but dual language specifically, what's something you learned early on that you would probably pass on as advice or things to keep in mind? Um, something that I would pass on then goes back to the same thing I continue saying is take the time to build relationships Mm. and jump on the team that's currently there because sometimes the teams that is there it's established Mm -hmm. is maybe not ready to have the dual program Mm. or weren't educated Mm. about the dual program and so you have to be the brave person to teach them about it and have the patience and educate them about the dual program because you're not there to replace them. You're a part of the team. You're an addition to the team. And so I think lots of times that's the initial perspective is like, oh no, here comes the dual program where we're going to go now. They're pushing us out. Mm. And that's kind of what my own experience has been in. And you, I've learned that I just have to build relationships. I have to educate my colleagues that I'm an addition to the school and I'm not replacing anyone or or anything. And that as the program, as the district feels the program should go, the direction it should go into, that's not my decision. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so yeah. we have to edu- take the time to educate our new colleagues yeah. and build relationships because yeah. I've, um, I feel I've, I've done a really good job in building those initially here at Pacific Drive. Mm-hmm. And I love it there. It's great. It's cool. And it's a new start. And yeah. of course, you know, again, you have your bumps in the road. Yeah. But I only see it getting better and better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's so, um, almost poignant, I guess, because of how you were treated growing up and when things that were told to you about um, Spanish. And here you're able to, like you said, educate colleagues about, I'm not here to keep you from doing you or, or take away, but it's a supplement and we're going forward together as a team. So to take your experiences and kind of just like you're changing culture, not just a, a, like a family level, like what do you do for, with your, your life and your purpose, but you're changing a school culture and you're changing a community culture. And I mean, really impacting, um, Southern California, right. And it's interesting. Mm-hmm. You notice the proliferation of dual language programs and you're a part of that. And we're so fortunate to have you. So I just want to say thank you for being here mm-hmm. and thank sharing you your time. And it's, and, been uh, it's been great. Thank you so much. 
This has been the Teacher Interview Podcast. Thank you for joining us.